This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Fungicide Resistance Extension Network. Hello and welcome to our series on fungicide resistance management. Six short programs aimed at helping grain growers and advisors understand what they can do to reduce the emergence and manage the impacts of fungicide resistance. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and in this first episode, we're taking an overview of fungicide resistance management, or as it'll be known in this series, the Fungicide Resistance 5. To drill down into this, I'm joined in the studio by Dr. Kylie Ireland, Afrin Extension Coordinator, who's based at the Centre for Crop and Disease Management at Curtin University. Kylie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Drew. We'll get into the Resistance 5 in a minute, but let's just take a step back. What is the Australian Fungicide Resistance Extension Network? So, um, as you said, the Australian Fungicide Resistance Extension Network, a bit of a mouthful, so we shorten it to AFRIN. It's a GRDC investment, and the whole aim is to help growers and advisors stay informed about the status and management of fungicide resistance in their regions. So we've seen increasing cases in fungicide resistance in the last decade. And so in acknowledgement of that, GRDC said we've got to get on this. And so they've brought together regional plant pathologists, fungicide resistance experts, as well as communications and extension specialists so that we can develop and deliver resources to growers and advisors across the country. So Kylie, this is a really big issue, isn't it? What exactly is fungicide resistance and how does it develop? So fungicide resistance basically just occurs when a previously effective fungicide fails to control the disease and that's despite a grower applying it correctly. So there's a really important distinction to make there. So basically what happens is if a grower starts to use a fungicide more commonly and so they're applying it again and again, you're basically applying what we call a selection pressure and every time that fungal community gets hit with that fungicide you're selecting for resistant individuals and over time those can grow and grow and grow because each time the ones that survive it's survival of the fittest in some ways and the and the fitness effect here is that you're applying the fungicide so they can survive the others can't and eventually that can result in a fungicide not working properly for a grower is it preventable Yes, very preventable. So I guess that's the good thing and the nice thing about working in Afrin is that, you know, there's some of these things will naturally happen to a certain extent, but growers have the power to manage and mitigate the impacts. So we know that we should be using a whole lot of different tools to help manage disease pressure. So that's things like variety selection and using non-chemical control methods. But I think we've gotten a little bit too used to some of the fungicides as a tool. So if we're able to maybe look back at all those classical methods that we had and say, oh, let's put these in place, we can reduce that disease pressure. And then that actually just reduces our need to apply fungicides in the first place, which we would hope would save growers time and money. So there's a good win there. And then in the long term, then they'll be able to use those tools when they really need them. So the fungicides, applying them when they really, really need them for good bang for buck. Are there particular spots, Kylie, around Australia where this has started to become an issue, where there's been outbreaks and and concerns? Yeah, I guess some of the first, very first ones we saw were in the higher rainfall regions, which you expect. There were some cases, say, in powdery mildews with um, your strobilurin fungicides in Tasmania. So 
those are the kind of fungi that develop really quickly, which means if you're putting selection pressure on them, then they're going to get selected for the resistant ones really quickly. We've also seen, though, in Australia, you know, it's those high rainfall zones where you often get a lot of disease that you would have the higher likelihood of fungicide resistance developing. But we've even seen in low and mid rainfall regions in Australia, we've had a lot of cases. And the issue with that has just been agronomic conditions. So growers, and we totally understand this, they're often growing barley on barley because you know, it's a paddock that isn't well suited to other crops and they will get a return on investment with barley. But the problem with that is they've just done it year on year. So you have the same crop going in. Sometimes they're selecting for a very susceptible variety, which can't fight off the disease as well. They might be getting yield, but to get that yield, they might need to use more fungicides. And so we've seen in those systems where they've used repeated fungicides that we've had those cases come up and that first initially happened say in the net blotches of barley particularly in western australia with the dmi fungicides urazoles but then also in the last couple of years the most frightening has been relatively new products to the market with the sdhis your fluxaperoxad which is your sestiva you know growers who even may have only been applying that once per year but even one year on one year and that's the only fungicide going into the system will select for resistance so yeah we've seen cases both in those high risk areas as well as areas which we actually it's interesting our expert team could see that happening simply based on the agronomic regions and the behaviors that were going on in those regions already so Kylie, would it be a little bit too simplistic to say at the heart of the problem is an over-reliance on fungicides or is there more than that that's involved? Yeah, it's definitely more than that. Like fungicides are a tool and I think as they've gotten cheaper, it's been a lot more readily available for growers to use and to consider putting into their systems. But it is too simplistic because we know that we've got varieties to choose from. We've got non-chemical control methods and all of these factors can just help if they go back to basics with just having a more sustainable growing system at the start. So what it is, is about using all the tools in your toolbox, going back to basics, having a good foundation so that you can preserve those fungicides. Now, you won't get fungicide resistance without applying a fungicide, so you still need that selection pressure in the system, but it's too simplistic to say it's all the fungicide's fault. We've got a lot of levers we can pull. So it's certainly not talking about replacing or phasing out fungicides then? No, definitely not. They're really, really powerful tools, and especially if you hit just at the right time and in the right amounts, you can get really good return on investment from them. It's all about looking at your system, knowing when they're going to be best applied. And also if you're already experiencing an issue with fungicide resistance, saying, oh, maybe I need to pull off those particular mode of action groups or those particular fungicides and diversifying the system so that you're keeping that fungus guessing so that you can get the best control in the longer term. Is there a community aspect to good fungicide use management? For example, what happens if one grower does the right thing but their neighbour doesn't do the right thing? Yeah, I guess there is a massive community aspect. A lot of growers would be familiar with um, the good old rust bust kind of program back in the day, which also touched on this community aspect and the social component of managing plant diseases. And because the thing is, unlike when you have your weeds, you know, they set seed and they'll often drop seed in your own paddock. With a 
plant pathogen with a disease, they're creating spores and those spores can spread. And we're still in the beginning phases of understanding this, but there's no reason why if they're going to spread, they're not going to take their resistance genes with them. So I guess the factor there is, number one, you don't want to be developing resistance and then spreading it around the landscape like that. And then the other factor as well is, uh, you know, we can do things on our, in our own paddocks and everything to best effect. But if we start doing certain behaviours across large areas, we will increase that risk across a large area. And we saw that a little bit with the SDHI resistance we saw in South Australia on the York Peninsula where it wasn't actually until they had resistance and growers and agronomists started talking to one another that they realised that they were growing a really susceptible variety pretty much across the whole region. And that means that with those resistant genes in that fungus potentially jumping around, they're jumping onto crops that it can get a good foothold on and it can continue to spread. So it meant just the amount of disease in the region was quite high the more disease you have, the greater your chances of selecting any resistant individual from those populations. It's just pure numbers. Kylie, Afrin's distilled fungicide resistance management down into five components and you call it the fungicide resistance five. What are they? So the fungicide resistance five, it's all about starting with a good foundation. For us, those are non-chemical methods. So you're starting with, number one, choose a less susceptible crop varieties. We know that yield is king. We know that it's really um, attractive to choose a higher yielding variety. But if you can choose a less susceptible crop variety, even if you're just going from very susceptible down to a moderately susceptible variety, you can get good gains on disease control and you will likely need to use less fungicide. So the less fungicide going in, the less chances of selecting for resistance. The next one is rotating crops, and that's using both the time and distance to reduce your disease carryover. All of this is about reducing disease pressure. So when you rotate crops, the pathogens on that crop have a lower chance. There's very few that will be infectious on the next crop. So barley diseases usually are restricted to barley, at least in foliar diseases, which is our main worry for fungicide resistance. You know, so you can shift from barley to wheat or barley to canola. And that also means you're probably moving away from putting that same crop into standing stubble for your stubble-borne diseases, so your net blotches especially. There are some questions, and we're certainly concerned around canola with blacklegs. So both of those stubble-borne diseases, you can start to control them just by rotating out of those crops in those fields. The third one is using non-chemical control methods to reduce disease pressure. So this is all of your classic managing your stubble if you have to and reducing your green bridge and all of the other methods that you've had at your disposal for years. Once you've done all of that other stuff to try and reduce your disease pressure and your disease carryover, spray only when you need to and apply strategically. And there's a lot of really good evidence showing now you don't always have to spray and that you may not get a return on investment. And the less you spray, the less you're selecting for resistance. That said, you do want to make sure if you're heading into a really disease, you're like, oh, it's going to be really great conditions for disease this year. It's going to be nice and wet. The pathogens are going to love it. You want to be keeping an eye on your crop and applying it early. And again, it's that numbers game issue. You want to be hitting it early and quick so that you can get that disease pressure down. And ideally, you would team that with when the best time for economic return on that spray will be. 
And then the fifth one, you know, when all else is done, is to rotate and mix your fungicides and mode of action groups. And we know this from talking to growers, you know, we've had SDHI resistance as well in spot form of NetWatch here in Cunderdon in WA. And we knew that, that some of these growers were so close to changing from that SDHI to a group 11 in their infurrow the next season. And if they'd done that, they may have actually helped to avert the crisis. And so you need to be thinking, well, I've used an SDHI this year. Can I shift to something else in my seed dressing or infurrow next year? Or within a season even being all like, well, I used a group three DMI last spray. What can I use next? Okay, I've got my group sevens or 11s. And you might say, well, I've got group 11 resistance. So maybe I'll go with group seven and to help that group seven or that group three. So your group seven is your SDHI, sorry mixing it with a, another mode of action. And we know this, there's really good evidence that if you mix your DMI with your SDHI, it just helps to, you know, whatever doesn't get killed by the other one, will the other one picks up that slack and you can really get good control across the board. Kyla, there's a lot of information there, but these are big subject areas and this series is going to drill down into each one of those five in detail. In the meantime, though, what's the big message for growers that they should take away? The big message for growers is the power is in their hands. Fungicide resistance is sadly a bit here to stay, especially in some areas, but we can still control the emergence of some really bad cases and the impacts can be managed. So if you have it, pull away from your problem products and try and diversify your cropping system so that you can get that disease pressure down and diversify your fungicide regimes. Just keep the fungus guessing, you know. Um, It's like most things in life, a little keeping it dancing and keeping it confused will go a long way. I like that description. That's fantastic. For those listening, where can they go for more information about the five and resistance in general? Yeah, so the best place to go is the AFRIN website, which is at afrin.com.au. And our whole team's contact details are there as well. And so if you're unsure whether you're actually experiencing fungicide resistance, we always say in the first case, get in touch with an expert. And we've got the experts listed by the states there and you can get in touch and be happy to help you nut down and figure out what's happening in your system. Plus, of course, you can listen to the rest of the podcast series where we'll go into much more detail on fungicide resistance management. Our next episode will look at the importance of planting less susceptible varieties and my guest then will be Dr Grant Holloway from Agriculture Victoria. In the meantime, thank you Dr Kylie Island, coordinator of the Australian Fungicide Resistance Extension Network, otherwise known as AFRIN. And to learn more, remember that address. It's afron.com.au Kylie, thank you again for joining me in the Afron studio. My pleasure.